Ezra chapter 3 verse 1. And when the seventh month was come, and the children of Israel were in the cities, the people gathered themselves together as one man in Jerusalem. In the seventh month of the Jewish calendar was when all of these people made it to Jerusalem, whom King Cyrus of Persia had said were allowed to go there and rebuild the temple to make the second temple. And these are mostly Levites. However, there were some people from the tribe of Manasseh there as well. 2. Then stood up Jeshua, the son of Josadak, and his brethren the priests, and Zerobabel, the son of Sheltiel, and his brethren, and builded the altar of the God of Israel to offer burnt offerings thereon, as it is written in the law of Moses, the man of God. They offered burnt offerings immediately when they arrived, because they needed the protection of God. And so they had to honor him immediately to make sure that he understood that they loved him and they were there because of their love for him. They were arriving in the midst of enemies. It's kind of like if you came to a town where every single person was a Satan worshiper and hated God, absolutely, and you came in with your family to build a church in the middle of that town. This is what it was like for the Israelites coming back to Jerusalem. They were completely surrounded by pagans who had taken over the land of Israel after the Jews were exiled. And these pagans hated God and hated the Jews. Now, even though King Cyrus said they were allowed to go back, that doesn't mean that all of the people under King Cyrus approved of that decision. 3. And they set the altar upon its bases, for fear was upon them because of the people of the countries, and they offered burnt offerings thereon unto the Lord, even burnt offerings morning and evening. The burnt offerings mean full consecration to the Lord, so they were dedicating their lives to the Lord. And it says they put the altar on its bases immediately, and that means they put the new altar on the bases of the old altar to show that it's on top of what was already consecrated to the Lord and already used and dedicated to the Lord for hundreds of years. And that's what they were building their new altar on. They were showing, we're going back to the law. We're going back to obedience. And we're going back to the word that Moses gave us. For, and they kept the Feast of Tabernacles, as it is written, and offered the daily burnt offerings by number, according to the ordinance, as the duty of every day required. So in this seventh month, it was time for the Feast of Tabernacles. I believe this is close to harvest time. And the Feast of Tabernacles commemorates the time when the Israelites were in the desert because they had to live in tents, and that's what tabernacles are, their tents. But it also, for you and I, in the New Covenant, it represents that we are dwelling in the wilderness of living this life in this world. And the tent that we live in is our mortal body that will die. And then when we go to heaven, we'll live in God's tabernacle, which is heaven itself, and we'll have new bodies. But for now, we're wandering in this wilderness of the world where our faith is constantly tested. So it represents our time journeying spiritually until we get to the promised land, which is heaven. This feast for them showed their journey out of Egypt and into their promised land, which was Canaan. 
5. And afterward the continual burnt offering, and the offerings of the new moons, and of all the appointed seasons of the Lord that were hallowed, and of every one that willingly offered a free will offering unto the Lord. Now they never worshipped the moon, stars, or sun, but they did have new moon offerings because it had to do with thanking God for his seasons and his harvest. The monthly cycle of humans is also something to thank the Lord for because it results in children. And the free will offering is whenever you just give to the Lord out of sheer thankfulness and joy and gratefulness and love for him. It's not a required offering. 6. From the first day of the seventh month began they to offer burnt offerings unto the Lord, but the foundation of the temple of the Lord was not yet laid. On the very first day of the seventh month, they began giving these burnt offerings, which means whole consecration to the Lord. And this is a very strong statement to God that we are 100% for you and our lives belong to you. Even though the foundation of the temple wasn't yet laid, because they had to do a lot of work to get that done. 7. They gave money also unto the hewers, and to the carpenters, and food and drink and oil, unto them of Zidon, and to them of Tyre, to bring cedar trees from Lebanon to the sea, unto Joppa, according to the grant that they had of Cyrus king of Persia. Cyrus had granted them probably the financial resources as well as the legal permission to start building the temple, and that meant that they would need cedar trees from Tyre again, just as Solomon originally got cedar trees from Tyre to build the first temple. They needed to do this again to build the second temple. So we now know that the second temple was built of wood, just like the first temple was. Now, the wall in Jerusalem that they claim is a wall of the temple It's all made of solid rock, and there's actually more evidence that that wall was part of an ancient Roman fortress than that it was part of Herod's temple. The location of Herod's temple was probably not where the Welling Wall is now, and the Welling Wall probably never was part of that ancient temple. That's just a myth that's been propagated over the years that probably isn't true. So when you go pray at the Welling Wall, um, there's nothing wrong with praying, but you aren't praying where the temple was. You're probably praying where the ancient Roman fortress was. But they gave money, food, wine, and oil to the workers who were working on the temple, namely the carpenters and the hewers, which is the people who chop the trees and or creating lumber. And then the carpenters take the lumber and were using that to create or to build the temple. Now the forest of Lebanon was a forest that the cedar trees came from in Tyre. 8. Now in the second year of their coming unto the house of God at Jerusalem, in the second month, began Zerubbabel the son of Sheltiel, and Jeshua the son of Josadak, and the rest of their brethren, the priests, and the Levites, and all they that were come out of the captivity unto Jerusalem, and appointed the Levites from twenty years old and upward, to have the oversight of the work of the house of the Lord. Every Levite who was twenty years old or more would be in charge of helping to oversee the building of the temple. And that's all the Levites that came back, of course. The name Jeshua, who was in charge of all of this, Jeshua is a derivative of the name Jesus, and Jesus means salvation. So they have returned 
back to Jerusalem for their salvation. And this is bringing about the Jews coming back into their homeland. We get saved in this life, but the evidence of our salvation is when we go to heaven. That's the bottom line evidence. Everybody who goes to heaven is saved because you can't go to heaven unless you're saved. Now, the other guy who's helping Joshua out, his name is Sheltiel. Sheltiel means, I have asked God. And what these Israelites asked God for was a new temple. And then King Cyrus was told by God to let them build a new temple. And so he did. So they asked for a temple. And then they went there under the power of God, who is Jesus Christ, to receive their salvation. They reinstituted all the ordinances of the Lord. Because remember, this is still in the Old Covenant. Their salvation was through the ordinances and obedience and repentance in the Old Covenant. In the New Covenant, we don't follow ordinances, but we still have to repent of our sins and obey the Lord and trust Him fully. 9. Then stood Joshua with his sons and his brethren, and Cadmiel and his sons, the sons of Judah, together to have the oversight of the workmen in the house of God, the sons of Henadad also with their sons and their brethren, the Levites. These are three households, Joshua's household, Cadmiel's household, and Henadad's household. 10. And when the builders laid the foundation of the temple of the Lord, they set the priests in their apparel with trumpets, and the Levites, the sons of Asaph, with cymbals, to praise the Lord according to the direction of David, king of Israel. Remember, we had read back in the books of Kings that during David's time, Asaph was in charge of music. These descendants of Asaph are also playing musical instruments to worship the Lord. 11. And they sang one to another in praising and giving thanks unto the Lord, for he is good for his mercy endureth forever toward Israel. That's the famous saying that the Holy Spirit told King David to sing. And King David sang it, and so did the priests of his time, and they sang it again during Solomon's time when they were building the temple. Now they're singing that same phrase again when they're building the second temple. And all the people shouted with a great shout when they praised the Lord, because the foundation of the house of the Lord was laid. So at the point where the foundation was finally finished, everybody gave a great shout of victory, because it was a massive spiritual victory to lay the foundation for the temple. In heaven, the foundation has 12 different levels to it, and each level is named after one of the apostles of Jesus Christ who taught the gospel. So our foundation, the foundation of our salvation, starts with the gospel, because first we have to hear the gospel, and then we repent and believe. Then we become saved by the grace of Jesus Christ. The foundation of the church is the apostolic teaching of the gospel. The Bible shows us it's the teaching of the gospel that lays the groundwork for people to be saved. The New Testament says faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God, which means people believe because they hear the gospel. The Israelites shouted with a great shout when this foundation was laid, just as they shouted when the walls of Jericho fell. 12. But many of the priests and Levites and heads of fathers' houses, the old men that had seen the first house standing on its foundation, wept with a loud voice when this house was before their eyes, and many shouted aloud for joy. The younger men are shouting for joy because it's the first temple they've ever seen, and the old men are weeping 
because they remember the first temple that was destroyed. And this temple will never be as glorious as the first temple was. However, they're grateful. They're not angry that the temple is being built, but they remember the temple that they lost. And that temple was lost because of sin. The Israelites had God and they turned their backs on him. And they had this beautiful, glorious golden temple and they turned their backs on the Lord and they lost it. 13. So that the people could not discern the noise of the shout of joy from the noise of the weeping of the people. For the people shouted with a loud shout, and the noise was heard afar off. The young men were shouting, the old men were weeping at the same time, and it was indiscernible between the two, because it must have been the same amount of noise of shouting and weeping at the same time. When you get saved, and this definitely happened for me, I was so joyful because I had been forgiven and saved. But at the same time, I mourned over my sin for about three months. I remember just laying down and crying over all those wasted years of sin and all those years of confusion and turning my back on God and missing out on countless blessings that I could have received. And God restores. So he restored what I lost spiritually and emotionally and psychologically. But it just made me so sad about how many years of my life I had wasted. And it was my own doing. I was full of joy, but at the same time, I was full of sorrow. And I can totally understand why these people, when they rebuilt the temple, they were full of joy and full of sorrow all at once because they regretted all those years of sin. I thank God that he has restored me now and he's replaced those wasted years with prosperous years spiritually, not financially prosperous, but spiritually prosperous, where I could actually share the gospel with people. And so he can do that with any of us. And that concludes Ezra chapter 3.